You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 974 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com until I'm locked on sent you. Today's show will focus on what became a 129 to 117 win for the Hawks at home over the Indiana Pacers on a Sunday afternoon, sort of a matinee tip-off, a one o'clock game. Always nice for those of us that are trying to grind and work after these games are over to not be doing that at midnight. So a nice uh, timely game in that respect, but a nice win for Atlanta. A, a strong start, followed by sort of a mid-game swoon from the Hawks as they let the Pacers kind of hang around the entire way, and then a nice close for the Hawks. They actually led for the vast majority of this game. But it was a little bit dicey at times in the fourth quarter, and then the Hawks turn it up in the final minutes to get a 12-point comfortable win and what, what amounts to a Nate Miller revenge game. Uh, Nate was fired by the Pacers at the end of last season, so a little bit of extra juice in this one, and uh, you can definitely tell the Hawks were inspired at the end of this one. There was lots of positivity about this win overall, not just because of McMillan, but also because it's, it's a nice win over a pretty decent opponent. Like Indiana's not great, but they're a solid-ish team. They're a team that the Hawks could have could have potentially seen in a play situation if they were to falter, all that stuff. But the Hawks are in good shape and a nice home home win here over the Pacers. So we'll dive in as always to the game itself. But first, some pregame stuff and a nice reintroduction for John Collins, who returned to action. In this game, he missed the previous nine contests. He's not played since March 30th, so good to see John back on the court. He was upgraded to questionable. Um, there was little rumblings that he was returning to practice a little bit on Saturday, and then once he was listed as questionable, it was uh, you know pretty positive, and then he ended up playing in this game. He was limited. McMillan said after the game, it was actually 16 to 20 minutes was the projection. He ended up playing almost 21, but still uh, very limited at the same time. Looked like himself, looked pretty healthy, seemed to be pretty positive after the game about his health status, and obviously that's a huge factor for the Hawks, who've been so banged up this season to have John back is a big addition, and that definitely proved itself again in this game. Elsewhere, though, the Hawks are still without Gallinari and Hunter and Snell and Reddish and Dunn, so still shorthanded in this spot. Indiana was also shorthanded a little bit without Doug McDermott, who missed this game. Actually, he was very good against the Hawks last time. He had 26 points early this season against the Hawks. That was a nice uh, little windfall for the Hawks, but Miles Turner ended up coming back in this game and playing. Um, still advantage in terms of uh, the healthier team was Indiana, for sure in this spot. The Hawks, though, did have a pretty big rest advantage. Um, the Hawks, of course, had the two days off for the first time since the All-Star break, and there was lots of positive mojo around that. In addition, Indiana played on Friday and also had to travel back from Utah to Atlanta. So let's just say that was a, I would say, on paper advantage for the Hawks. Not, not a massive one, but an extra day of rest plus no travel, always helpful. And with all that said, our friends at Bellana AG had the Hawks as two-point favorites by tip-off. It was actually a little bit higher than that before, and then once Turner played, it fell down to two, but the Hawks, of course, covered that with ease at the end of this game. All right, we'll dive in now to the game itself, and as I said before, a very strong start that basically was what ended up winning this Hawks, winning the Hawks the game was the first six minutes and the last six minutes that basically uh, sealed this thing for the Hawks. Um, the Hawks opened this game with an 18-6 lead. Um, John Collins scored in his first post-touch, which was nice to see a little turnaround jump shot over, over his left shoulder, but it was a 12-0 run by Atlanta to go up 18-6. It was 6-6, um, and then it was all Hawks from there for a little while longer. 
And that 66 margin actually comes back up later on because the Pacers ended up tying it in the fourth after not tying it or leading at any point since it was 6-6. So uh, obviously a little bit of a swing towards Atlanta there. But the Hawks actually were attacking the rim at will in the early going. They had eight two-point attempts and four free throws in the first five minutes. The Pacers were also cold from the floor. They were three of 12. And the Hawks kept it going through the timeouts. It was a 24-4 overall run, took a 30-10 lead. The Pacers were really, really struggling, and the Hawks were playing very well, and that combination obviously leads you to some positive results. But Donovich was still hot for the Hawks. Atlanta was scoring almost 1.6 points per possession, which is obviously a ton. They were 11-15 from the floor and 3-4 of from three, so just kind of cooking in the early going. Trey Young was very good in this game, especially early and late, like the Hawks were. But he had 9 points and 4 assists in the early going, and after a pretty shaky game on Thursday, good to see him looking healthy and kind of spry in this one. Uh, the bench was not as good. That was one of the other themes here, and it would, uh, I would say it would, be, it would be more of a focus if the Hawks had lost this game, but the bench was pretty much a disaster for most of this game, um, which we'll talk about later on. But the, the rotation was kind of what you would think in this game with Collins back. Um, basically, that return relegated Nathan Knight back to the bench, and the third wing responsibilities were still Brandon Goodwin in this game. Obviously, the Hawks really only have two wings right now with Herder and Bogdanovich. And with Solomon Hill still needing to play the four without Gallinari, they don't really have another option. So it was good as the third guy over Mays. But that was the uh, only other sort of rotation notes from the first half of this contest. The Pacers did kind of wake up a little bit, scoring five in a row at the end of that twenty-two to four, sorry, twenty-four to four run by Atlanta. At the end, though, the Hawks kind of made a mess of the first quarter in the final few minutes. A pretty suboptimal fast break by by Goodwin, who dropped it off to kind of nobody in the final minute. It wasn't a turnover. But Lou Williams grabbed it, got 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 a shot blocked, and it ended up being a jump ball. And then the Hawks committed a foul. Herder committed a foul with 0.1 seconds to go in the first. So the Hawks were up by as many as 20 and led by only 12, which wasn't like that's not a bad result, obviously, up by 12 at the end of the first quarter. But it could have been 14, 16, and it said it was 12, which I definitely had circled. The starters were awesome, and the bench was not. But the Hawks shot the ball very well. Pitchers were 0-7 from three, and uh, pretty sort of a ho hum otherwise. Um, second quarter, they actually brought Collins back early and had him playing center next to uh, Solomon Hill after Okongwu played the first stint. So no surprise there, but it's a good reminder that you know as much as Okongwu has been playing without Collins, um, the Hawks are going to give John Collins some backup center minutes. That's a, that's pretty much a given, and that means if Capella is healthy and Collins is healthy, Okongwu is going to play less, which we kind of knew going, coming into the season. I, I circled that even when Okongwu was healthy early on, and then then he wasn't, and he sort of had this renaissance lately. But if you just do the math on the numbers, Capella playing 30-plus minutes plus Collins for a few minutes, that kind of limits Okongwu's role, and he played seven minutes in this game. So circle that for the future. But Collins played some center next to Solomon Hill. They played small a few times in this game. This first uh, sort of mutation was um, Goodwin, Williams, Herter, Hill, and Collins. So both point guards and Herter at the three with Hill and Collins. So that's kind of small, obviously. Um, Collins had some foul issues in the second quarter. He had two fouls in about a minute, and then a turnover on offense. He definitely had a couple of uh, sort of rusty moments. That was one stretch where he didn't look great. The Hawks actually didn't score for about three and a half minutes at the end of the first and the start of the second quarter. Um, Herter, though, got them back on the board with a floater. And here they're going, though. Like, they were basically minus eight without Capella in the first half which is noteworthy because Capella's been so good, but they're having some real big on-off stuff right now without Capella on the court um, on both ends of the floor. Um, there was a pretty weak continuation call the Pacers got on a three-point play back within uh, back within nine and then had a nice uh, backdoor layup the Pacers did against Lou Williams. And Lou, it was not a good night for Lou. Let's just say, um, I guess, afternoon. Not a good afternoon for Lou. He was not good in this game, especially in the first half. I, you know, what are you, you going to say? 
Um, and by the way, last week he did mention that he doesn't, he doesn't like early games, and that was definitely the case here. I don't want to pile on too much, but uh, Williams was a good encapsulation of the rest of the bench because the bench was not good in this game. Um, the Pacers missed their first 10 three-point attempts. They finally made one, though, to get the lead down to eight, and they scored again to get it down to six. It was a 20-8 to eight run overall by Indiana, and eventually the Hawks led by only three at one point in the second quarter. But then they had a nice close to the half behind Bogdanovich and Capella. Capella had a great moment where he actually blocked Sabonis a shot and then beat him down the floor in a dead sprint for a layup while Sabonis was complaining to the officials. So that was a good reminder that Capella, his motor runs hot. That was good to see there. And a couple of threes by Kevin Herter at the end of the second quarter to put the Hawks up by nine at the half. Atlanta shot the ball very well um, from three and from and from two in the first half. Uh, Herter had 16 points on seven shots in the first half. A great first half for him. Capella had 16, 10, and three blocks before halftime. It was his seventh double-double in the first half the season, which is uh, remarkable, of course. And then Bogdanovich had 13, Trey had 11, and they've kind of limited Collins to some minutes, obviously. But the Pacers did kind of warm up a little bit in the second quarter, but they definitely shot the ball very cold in the first half. They were 3 of 14 from three, which allowed the Hawks to sort of state control of this game. Uh, before we get to the second half and uh, some takeaways and as all that kind of stuff and the analysis that we always do on this podcast, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Indeed. Imagine you're the hiring expert for your company. What you really need is to make your shortlist of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who makes your life easier, and you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three, post-screening interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications and schedule and complete your video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, which gives you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately, and Indeed Skills Test that on average reduce hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests or add your own, then add your must-have requirements so that you only have to pay for your applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all of the other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is spectacular, and if anything, it's more delicious than ever. Built Bar has a ton of amazing flavors that we've been talking about for quite some time on the podcast. That includes options with or without nuts. And it also features some of my personal favorites like lemon almond cheesecake and cookies and cream. Each and every bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're also soft and easy to chew, making the entire experience all that much better. And Built Bar is also great if you're trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while enjoying something that tastes absolutely incredible. Built Bar is also low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And Built Bar is even great for the keto diet. My personal favorite, as I said a number of times, is cookies and cream. And the profile there from the health perspective is awesome. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. It is a fantastic time to check out BuiltBar.com. Yes, that's BuiltBar.com. And if you go there right now, you have 15% off with the promo code LOCKED15. If you use that promo code, once again, it's LOCKED15. That's 15% off on your next order with BuiltBar.com. Check it all out. There's plenty to check out at BuiltBar.com, and I recommend all the flavors. You can find it all at BuiltBar.com, and you can try Built Bar today. One more time, promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Okay, we'll go to the third quarter now, as well as the rest of the game itself. And the third quarter was not as great as the first, of course. And uh, spoiler alert, the middle two quarters were not very good for the Hawks. In this game, they actually lost those two quarters combined by eight points and did not play particularly well 
uh, for large portions of these two periods. Early on, Collins got his third foul in about a minute. That was um, his third foul in about only 12 minutes, which is actually kind of a reminder of what happens when you're banged up and trying to get back into health. You're a little bit um, rusty, maybe maybe reach a little bit more, and that kind of happened to Collins in that spot. But a 7-2 to run by the Pacers to kind of throw the opening salvo in the third quarter to cut the lead down to four. They also only had two points in about three and a half minutes or so at the start of the third quarter. But um, they actually got a good sort of kickstarted by a run there. Collins had a nice offensive rebound and finished, and then Trey hit a step back three. The league got up to 11 a couple times in the third, and then the Pacers, though, kind of responded with a 6-0 run. Uh, McMillan was not happy with that one, uh, sort of a bad transition defense moment, and that was a weakness all the entire game, by the way, for the Hawks was transition defense. It was kind of a mess at times, especially with the benches out there, but overall even just kind of a weakness in the spot. But the Pacers had a 12-2 run overall, cut the lead down from 11 down to 1, in the third, and at, at that point, by the way, Capella was plus 17 in a game that it was a one-point game. So that kind of tells you about the bench. Whenever he left the court, it did not go well. Even if it was Collins at center, no matter what happened, basically, it was Capella on good, Capella off bad. Um, at any rate, there was a nice block by, by Kongwu moments after that, after the Hawks finally scored. That Herter hit his, hit his 4-3 of the game. That was a big shot, I thought, in this game, as things were definitely teetering. It was a one-point lead, and then Herter finally uh, knocked one down to sort of break the momentum a little bit. And then Congo got, got to the line, made both, and the Hawks led by four at the end of the third quarter. The Pacers, though, did shoot the ball well in those middle two periods. The Hawks were giving up a pretty decent amount of scoring efficiency to the Pacers in that stretch. But the Hawks had four guys with at least 18 points at the end of the third quarter. We'll come back to that later on, but that was definitely it was definitely a four-man show offensively for Atlanta in this game. Uh, in the fourth, uh, as I sort of teased earlier, it was dicey for a while. And then it kind of got a little bit better at the end. Um, early, though, Capella had a on-brand possession, which he missed two complete bunnies at the rim, as Capella is sometimes wont to do. But he kept it going. He got another chance. His third offensive rebound of the of the sequence, he made it and drew the foul for catching a three-point play. Of course, he missed the free throw as well, which is also kind of on-brand. But it was a great play by Capella, a flex, good effort, and the Hawks dropped by eight again at 192. Um, the Pacers didn't did then respond. But then Trey Young hits a big jumper, and they got a stop, and then another drive to the rim for Trey. And that was one where he made a great move, and then the the seas, the seas kind of just parted defensively for the Pacers all the way to the rim, and the Hawks led by a 105-99 margin with about seven and a half minutes to go. They went super small again, uh, even smaller this time, actually. The second half small lineup was Young, Williams, uh, Herder, Bogdanovich at the four, and Collins at the five. It didn't last very long, uh, and I, that was probably a good idea because it was that's just a little bit too small. Um, defensively, you're just never going to stop anybody at all with that lineup. Um, I'm, I'm also not really sure why they played Lou Williams for so long overall in the fourth quarter. Lou was bad in this game, and I'm all, I already don't love it to roll with Williams and Trey Young together a lot. And it only makes sense if, if Lou's been playing very well, and he was not playing well in this game. So I, I finally they got away from that with about five minutes to go after the Pacers tied the game. So let's circle this now. The Pacers tied it with 5.09 to go. The Hawks called timeout. That was the first tie since it was 6-6, six to six, and the Hawks, though, took the lead the rest of the way, which is nice. Um, but they finally pulled Lou at that point and got the starters back in the game, and that was a crucial decision because Lou was minus 15 in a tie game at that point, so that kind of tells you um, the way that was going. Um, but the Hawks then trade buckets to 107-107. The Herder hits another three. That was a big one. They give up a, lot, a layup from there, but then Young kind of took over from that point forward. He got, he got Capella a layup. They got a stop. He actually missed a three, but after offensive rebound, he makes a good decision to swing it to Bogdanovich, who is open for a three. He's been red hot, and he made another one to go up by six. Then they force a jump ball on defense that the Hawks then won to get a possession, and then Young finds Capella for a layup to go up by eight. So that whole stretch was uh, all kinds of Trey Young, and he wasn't even done yet 
one more time. They give up a bucket, actually, but then Young hits the potential dagger three to 120 to 111 with 158 to go. So basically it goes from 105-105 to 120-111, a huge push for the Hawks. It ended up being a 13-4 run, and uh, Trey had an assist to Capella, an assist to Bogdanovich, a steal, Assist, assist again to Capella, and then the dagger three. So he was fantastic in that stretch, and that was what ended up winning the Hawks the game in the spot. Um, the Hawks did give up a three after the timeout to kind of make things a little bit interesting to Brogdon, but then Young got to the lane and scored again, and then they finally missed a shot, Sabonis did, and that was kind of that, that was kind of the end of it with 70 seconds to go. Uh, there was a funny moment um, <laughs> after Miles Turner got to the line made, made free throws. The Hawks were up by seven, so it didn't really matter a whole lot, but uh, Young gets fouled. Hilariously, he misses the second free throw after making the first, but Sabonis tips it in his own basket <laughs> to give the Hawks a free two points. Again, it was already over. It was just more for the uh, the laugh out loud quality of that one. But uh, the Hawks sealed the game up very well. You know, winning by twelve is probably a little bit misleading in this game. They weren't quite as dominant as that might seem as that makes, sort of makes it seem. But the Hawks did take care of business, and they were the better team in this game. They led for the majority of the night, and there you go. Um, as far as some takeaways from the game itself. Uh, the starters were awesome. That was kind of the broad line, the broad top, broad topic in this game. Every guy in the starting lineup was plus ten or better. The bench was bad, but the you know the starters were awesome, especially when they were going one on one with the other starters for Indiana. They won the glass on both ends of the floor. The Hawks didn't like completely dominate on, on the glass, but they definitely won it decisively, which is a nice advantage to have. It's good about it. Also, with, with Collins back, they have been really really good on the glass with Collins and Capella playing together. And that makes sense because those guys are basically, you know, two bigs playing together, but it definitely matters, and that's a nice advantage for the Hawks. They took care of the ball in this game, only 10 turnovers, which is a very, very good number in a 48-minute game for Atlanta. And they also got to the paint a lot. 58 points in the paint is a ton for this Hawks team. Now, in contrast, they gave up 58 points in the paint to the Pacers. They actually didn't win that, that, that area, but... The Hawks did attack the rim, I think, smartly the entire game, especially with Turner off the floor. They were they were sort of uh, intentional about going right at the rim when he left the game, and that was very that was very wise. And then three point shooting, the Hawks and Pacers took the exact same amount of threes, but the Hawks made three more, and that was a big factor as well as the free throw line. They took fourteen more threes, sorry, free, fourteen more free throws than the Pacers. So basically, the offensive rebounding ended up fueling that advantage because the Hawks and Pacers took the exact same amount of shots, but the Hawks took 14, fourteen more free throws. So that's the advantage. And that's how you win games, maximize possessions, and the Hawks played very well as a result. Uh, so our top line offense, the Hawks actually scored about 1.26 points per possession. So that's very, very, very good. Um, the Pacers are not great defensively, but they're they're fine. And that was a pretty dominant effort offensively in this spot. Defensively, it wasn't great the entire way through. They give about 1.14, which is better than Indiana's average and kind of a little bit worse than the Hawks' average, but not, not a disaster by any means. And again, with Capella out there, the results were quite good. So that's all of that for now, but a nice overall win against a team that's solid. I mean, the Hawks could obviously lose to the Pacers, even at home, as illustrated by the two-point favorite status coming into the game. So the Hawks take care of business and get the win. Uh, before we get to the individual breakdowns, as we always do, and some look ahead to the rest of this week, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is betonline.ag. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football is not happening right now, and I understand that's a lot of people's favorite thing to bet on in the sports world, but there are plenty of other options, including the NBA, of course. You have the NHL, auto racing, golf, tennis, MMA, college sports, everything you can imagine you can find it at betonline.ag. And BetOnline even covers awards, entertainment bets, TV shows, and reality TV. 
BetOnline also has real-time updated odds and all kinds of props on almost anything you can imagine. Props are really fun to get into the sports betting world if you've not tried it before. And on top of that, BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and the odds that you need. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website now at betonline.ag or use mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On. That is 50% and a welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, and with some individual breakdowns now, we'll start on the bench where things were a little bit less favorable, and we'll spend uh, not too much time here, but it was uh, it's worth pointing out how bad the bench was in this game. Um, let's start with Lou Williams. Lou Williams was bad. Uh, it was minus 15 in 21 minutes, 8 points, 3 for 10 from the floor. Defensively, it was really an adventure. Um, this is going to happen sometimes with Lou uh, defensively. I think it's always important to point out that he's not very good there. And I think, you know, it's not a problem when he's this bad, but he was notably poor in this game. And I, I just want to say one more time, like I, they have to get away from Lou and Trey when Lou's not got it going. Um, I, I get it right now. They are so shorthanded that um, maybe the tendency is to go to the vet there and maybe kind of ride with that. But in this game, like Goodwin would have been a better option. If they wanted to stay with another, with another guy next to next to Trey in the fourth quarter, going to BG would have probably made more sense um, just for the defense and all that kind of stuff. Obviously lose a better player than Goodwin. I'm not saying otherwise, but that matchup, that pairing together does not really work a whole lot. And uh, I think my hope would be once the Hawks are a little bit healthier with Snell or Hunter or uh, Reddish, one of those guys, or obviously hopefully all of those guys come back, the Hawks will just kind of maybe slide Lou into a pure backup point guard role and have him just kind of play the minutes that Trey's off the court. At any rate, um, he was not very good. We'll move on from there. Um, the other guy who struggled in this game, I thought, was Solomon Hill. He was much better in the fourth quarter. Um, he actually played some pretty important minutes when John was uh, sort of hitting his minutes limit for the most part. Um, Hill had four points, five rebounds. Ended up being, ended up being plus four. Um, that was a little bit tied to the end of the game. He was in the minus before that. Um, I thought he was pretty dreadful in the first half, and obviously I'm, I'm generally pro Solomon Hill, but he was not very good in this game. Anyway, he got, he got both of his... Uh, Field goals after, after the halftime break from two-point range. Had five rebounds. He was active enough defensively, uh, you know, was kind of hit and miss. But uh, not his best by any means, but 29 minutes, and that was that was important because of John's limited status. Goodwin, kind of a uh, anonymous game overall. Two points, two rebounds, and assist. Minus two, and he was one or two from the floor in 13 minutes. Missed both the free throws, which is not what you want to see from Goodwin. But other than that, it was kind of a, uh, you know, an average game, or maybe a little bit below that, we'll say. And the Kong only played very limited minutes, only two stints, pretty short, two points, one rebound, two block shots, which is which is good to see. But uh, the Hawks were minus thirteen with him on the court. Um, I think some of that's him. I think most most of it's not. Honestly, if you watch this game back, it was more, especially in the first half, it was more Lou and even Solomon Hill struggling. But obviously, Kong versus Capella, it's going to happen sometimes. Capella is much better, and uh, we'll leave that there for now. Um, to the starters. And the one guy who did not go crazy was Collins. Uh, part of that was the limited deployment. Part of that was that he had four fouls and he was a little bit rusty. But eight points, two rebounds, an assist, two turnovers, plus 10, 21 minutes. Uh, more, I mean, I, my only takeaway, honestly, is that it's, it's, it's good to have John Collins back. Um, I don't want to go crazy about the analysis on this game. Again, he was pretty positive about his health status after the game. So hopefully he's more full go on Tuesday. But uh, just having him back is huge, and uh, that was evident already, even if he was not quite himself in this game. And then the other four guys all went crazy, honestly. In fact, per Elias Sports, this is the first time the Hawks have had four guys with 23 points or more in the same game since 1989, (laughs) which is uh, a crazy thing. And that was kind of the case the entire way. Like, as I said before, all four had at least 18 points in the third quarter. That was kind of consistently the entire game. It was just these four guys doing work. So we'll start with Bogdanovich who has been red hot 
for quite some time. 23 points, three rebounds, three assists, two steals, plus 10. Not of 18 from the floor, five of 11 from three. Um, this is, I think he was actually probably number four of four in this game, but that isn't to say he was not good because he obviously was. By the way, Bogdanovich has now scored 20 points in, twenty points or more in four straight games for the first time in his entire career. So he's that, that tells you how hot he's been. Also, I've said it a lot on the podcast recently, but his three-point shooting has been, like, ridiculous. He's 46 of 89 from three in April. That's 52%. And also, at the volume he's shooting, he is only trailing Steph Curry in three-pointers, like actual May three-pointers in the month of April. He leads the Eastern Conference. So 46 threes, it's April 18th. That's uh, pretty crazy volume and effectiveness. He's going to cool off at some point a little bit because like no one does no one does this. But man, he's been red hot. He's, he's definitely feeling it right now uh, with the confidence that he's shooting the ball with. So good to see him play well yet again in this game. Um, Kevin Herter was quite good. Better in the first half for sure, but actually it was a game best tw- plus 27. I'm not sure he earned that necessarily, but he was very, very good. 23 points, 9 rebounds. Uh, Kevin Herter, like, pretty clearly number two in rebounding in this game um, for the Hawks. That was a interesting thing to see. Three assists, two steals, a block shot, had two turnovers. Um, eight of 12 from the floor, five of seven from three, and two of three from the free throw line. He led the team with 40 minutes as well. Herter's been that bridge guy from the bench to the starters. Man, he was good in this game overall. Made a bunch of shots from three-point range. A couple of big ones, like, especially the one at the end of the third, like, kind of just uh, bridging, bridging the gap a little bit, kind of stopping the bleeding, putting the Hawks up by four um, when they were kind of teetering a little bit. And a really nice night for Kevin overall. Um, and then Capella and Young. So we'll go to Capella first. 25 points, 24 rebounds, three blocks, and two steals. Capella was outrageously good yet again. Um, you know, what are you going to say? He now has 10 straight double-doubles and 38 double-doubles for the season, which is, uh, again, just fantastic. He's now averaging 20 points, 15.9 rebounds, and 2.7 blocks per game in April. Um, as Kevin Chenard of Hawks.com pointed out, Capella might have, if this continues, again, that's that's an if with, uh, you know, 10 days plus to go. If this continues, he might have an argument for, like, Easter Conference Player of the Month. That's how good Capella has been. Uh, in fact, he, he pretty clearly leads the conference in plus-minus right now for the month, which is, you know, there's a little bit of noise in there, obviously. I think Grant Williams is, like, third place right now for the for Boston in that same stretch. But Capella's earned it. He's been fantastic. You cannot overstate it. And then defensively, it's night and day. When the, I've said it a lot on the podcast, but when he's on the court, the Hawks get stops. When he's not, when he's not on the court, doesn't matter what else, what else happens, they don't get as many stops. So Capella was dominant, was awesome, and really, really, like, soundly outplayed Sabonis and Turner in this game. So we'll leave that there for now. Um, and then Trey Young, um, who was awesome in this game. Obviously, he struggled pretty mightily on Thursday. I thought he wasn't healthy. Uh, at least he didn't look healthy to me and uh, shot the ball, like, you know, terribly, all that stuff. But in this game, he had it going um, definitely in a big-time way in the first quarter and the fourth quarter especially. In the second half, actually, um, Trey finishes this game with 23 after halftime and 14 points in the fourth 34 points, 11 assists, 5 rebounds, 2 steals, plus 14. Got to the line 14 times for 13 out of 14. Only shot 3 of 9 from 3, which is just like, it's not bad, it's fine. Um, And then 6 of 12 on 2s. So it was kind of the uh, overall gamut. But as I said before, his his fourth quarter run of basically combining to generate all of the points in that like entire push to go up from being tied basically up by 10 was all Trey. And that kind of shows the flourishes that he could put together. So he was awesome in this game. Um, those top four guys carried the weight in this spot, and that was big for Atlanta. So um, one final thing. This is more of an individual thing for the coach. 
but I wanted to play the audio for you. Obviously, as I said before, McMillan was fired by the Patriots at the end of last season. Um, some thought definitely sort of unjustifiably because he did a good job there. They got swept in the playoffs and all that stuff. But McMillan um, is definitely, obviously, universally respected. Um, and that was kind of a weird ouster in Indiana. So he, he got a question after the game about if it felt like a little bit different to beat Indiana. So I, I want to play the response that he had. So here is Nate McMillan on that question. Uh, we know you want to win every game, but uh, we saw you talking to some of the guys after the game. Is it a little special when you go against your former teams, you know, Indiana, Portland, those guys? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, uh, I, and I told that to the team. I, I thank them. You know, uh, I got a great deal of respect for those players in that organization. Uh, and it's, it's, it's not anything other than, you know, whenever you are traded, you know, as a player, uh, or you're fired as a coach and you, you, you know, you, you play that team again. Uh, no question about it. You want to uh, win that game. Uh, but I do have a great deal of respect uh, for those guys, uh, you know, and to have a relationship as we do uh, after uh, decisions have been made like that is, is really special. You know, a lot of times when you are, when you move on from a team uh, as a player and a coach, uh, you know, a lot of times you don't even speak to uh, or have conversations with a lot of the players. And, uh, you know, those guys, uh, even in the first game, uh, was very supportive. Uh, they came over, they spoke, you know, we talked about things that we talked about when I was there, you know, family, uh, kids and and all of that. And, uh, you know, uh, again, it, it was good to uh, to win this game, but I have a great deal of respect for those players. Um, uh, on that other side. I thought it was cool to have him uh, admit that. Not like it was a big secret, I'm sure, but it was always nice to see like, guys like you know admit that it was kind of a little bit bigger than the normal game in some respects. So um, credit to McMillan, who's been awesome, obviously, since taking over at the beginning of March and uh, is like making his way into the national consciousness now with the way the Hawks have been playing. Obviously, he's been around for a long time, but getting a lot of respect, and uh, I would say duly so. So shout-out to Nate McMillan for that performance. Um, at the end of this game, the Hawks are now tied with the Boston Celtics for the four seed in the standings of the Eastern Conference after briefly trailing. Actually, they woke up on Sunday not in fourth place for the first time in a while because Boston won on Saturday. But then the Hawks tied it back up um, with this win. And the Knicks actually won as well. So they're, they're only a half game back in six. So it's still pretty tight. Um, as well as the Hawks have been playing, there's nothing assured in terms of the uh, top four or five seeds here for Atlanta. They have to keep winning. And the schedule is a little, it's pretty interesting this week. So um, for starters, the Hawks play five games in seven days beginning on Tuesday, which is obviously a bit of a grind. Um, that first game is at home against Orlando. Orlando is very bad. That's a game, obviously nothing is given, nothing is must win. Any of that stuff is kind of overrated right now. But at home against the Magic, you need to win that game. Um, <laughs> that's just kind of the way to put it here. I know it's a back-to-back, but it's the first of a back-to-back, and the Magic are not good and also not um, not trying all that hard at the moment in terms of their uh, organizational structure. They're definitely in rebuild take mode at this moment. So that's the one you got to win. Now, from there, you go to you go to actually to New York on Wednesday in a battle that could dictate a lot of seeding stuff because the Knicks have been red hot recently. So that's one. It's a back-to-back. -back. You definitely want to circle. So we'll talk about that obviously more later on. But a back-to-back -back coming and then five and seven. So uh, a pretty busy week for the Hawks after this weird I would say kind of nice two-day break between these two games, but uh, the schedule's not going to be relenting anytime soon. So the stretch run is here. The Hawks, of course, have uh, 15 more games in the schedule. If they can just go out and post, you know, 9-6, and six, something like that, they'll be in great shape. If they struggle a little bit more from there, um, the task becomes more difficult. So as, we, as I record this, 
Miami also won today, so uh, that's a little bit not not that they're like chasing the Hawks down, but um, you, you you have to look a little bit beyond just Boston and New York to the teams that are only a couple of games back. So the, the the seeding is definitely up for grabs, but with every win, the Hawks are in even better shape. So that's all I have on today's podcast. Again, a very nice victory for the Hawks, springboarding them into Tuesday's game and another game. Obviously, they have Monday, quote unquote, off, but with an afternoon game on Sunday at home and no travel, it's almost like having an off day in there. They have one in there, obviously, on Monday before they play on Tuesday, but before this five this five and seven stretch, being able to get off your feet a little bit here uh, is probably nice for Atlanta. So please stay tuned for more on the podcast this entire week as we cover all of these games that are be coming up. Um, subscribe, follow the podcast, tell your friends, rate, review, all that fun stuff, and we'll see you all next time.